God has taken care of this this problem, this weakness, and and that weakness is us. He's going to eliminate us. <laughs> That's the way to take care of that. Welcome to this week's episode of the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. Today we have with us Bill Bushhouse, someone that we've had uh, on several times in the past. Uh, he's a good friend of the of the ministry. He's former director, actually, of His Hill. And if you haven't listened to his testimony, it's uh, one of our earlier episodes. I don't have the, the episode number in front of me right now, but it's, it, it would be, my guess, is probably one of the first 10 to 15 episodes. And, and I really encourage you to go back and, and listen to uh, listen to his testimony, how he came to Christ and what the Lord's worked in his heart throughout his life is a real encouragement, and it's, it's a challenge, too. Um, Bill is going to be speaking to us uh, in this episode from uh, the book of Hebrews in chapter 8. And you know, that chapter starts off like this. Now, the main point and what has been said is this, and I always joke about that. I get to teach this book in uh, in some of the, the different Torchbearer centers. And, uh, you know, what a statement. This is the main point. Don't you wish every book of the Bible had that statement? But this one does. And so this is the main point. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, not man. The main point in this throughout the book of Hebrews is that we have Christ and he is better than any other good thing. Even the good things that that we have as a result of being believers, they're, they're the result of the life of Christ. Jesus is better. And as you look, work through the, the book of Hebrews, we see that Jesus is, is better than the angels. He's better. He's the better man for man. He's better than Moses. He's better than Joshua. He's literally the better rest. He's the better sacrificial system. He's the better tabernacle. He's the better high priest. And so Bill is going to go uh, go on with this episode and encourage us with this truth that Jesus is better. He's the better covenant because he's the better mediator. He's the better covenant because he's the better promise. He he is better. And so I'm I'm really thankful that Bill was willing to uh, to, to do this episode for us. I asked him specifically to to speak on chapter eight. Uh, because uh, years ago, I, I heard him teach on this, and the Lord really used it to encourage me. And so I hope it is an encouragement for you as well. So without any more delay, here is Bill Bushhouse leading us in a devotion from Hebrews chapter 8. I'm going to be sharing a few thoughts with you from the epistle to the Hebrews uh, chapter 8. So if you want to be turning there, if you have your Bibles or on your device, and um, I want to talk about um, what I like, uh, a phrase I like in this section, better promises, better promises. Um, you know, when we relate with God, uh, we relate by covenant, right? A covenant is merely a contract between God and man, defining how that relationship um works between it can be seen as a almost a constitutional christianity if you please but in the bible um i remind you that there are basically two types of covenants we have conditional covenants 
And we have unconditional covenants. A conditional covenant would say something like this. If you, it starts with that phrase, for example, like we see in Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 through 6. If you will indeed obey my voice, then you shall be my people. It's uh, being God's people was uh, conditioned upon their obedience. So that's a conditional covenant. But when we get to the book of Hebrews here, and I'm going to pick up in chapter 8, I'm going to begin in verse 6, um, because that's where uh, my thought for today uh, is going to begin, and we're going to try to go from 6 all the way down to probably verse 12. Verse at a time it says, But now he, that is our Lord Jesus Christ, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant which has been enacted on better promises. So we see um, three primary thoughts there. We see a more excellent ministry, we see a better covenant, and we see better promises. So Jesus, the ministry of Jesus Christ is juxtaposed here to the priesthood of Aaron and the law of Moses, and that the, <clears throat> the more excellent ministry given to our Lord Jesus is that he is the one fulfilling the promises. He is the guarantee of this covenant, we're told, later on in the book of Hebrews. So let me make a few observations, first of all, as to why I think this is a better covenant and why we have uh, better promises there. And one, it's a better covenant because we, uh, we have a better mediator, right? We have the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not the blood of bulls and goats. It's not Aaron, the high priest, who um, has a temporal life, who dies, who passed away. It's not a high priest who only goes into a man-made tabernacle uh, once a year. No, we have a high priest who has gone into the heavenly places, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, who now makes intercession for us, and that is a more excellent ministry. It's excellent because he does it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's wonderful. He's, he's, a, he's a superior mediator because he's superior in person, right? Superior than angels. He's superior in his work, his death, burial, and resurrection. And he's superior in his position in the heavenly places. So all those points are, are taught in the first um, seven chapters of Hebrews and the concluding point here in eight. But secondly, it's a, it's a better covenant, as I've said before, and that I want to stress uh, primarily this morning, is that it's a better be covenant because it's been acted on better promises. These are unconditional promises that are guaranteed by the grace of God in Christ. My motivation, my heart motivation in sharing uh, this with y'all today is this, is that often uh, we, feel, we feel that God is distant. We feel that uh, God may have forgotten about us. Uh, and sometimes we go through, we do silly things to try to Oh, lack of a better word, jumpstart God, maybe a, a revival meeting or a, uh, whatever it might be. I'm not going to give you the list. You can fill in your own list. But we try to jumpstart God, get something happening, when all the time 
the one who's working out and guaranteeing these promises is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Uh, I'm going to stop on this second point uh, right here, that these, again, are unconditional promises. Well, what are these promises? That's what we're getting to. That's where the chapter is going to. It's interesting in defining faith that in um, Hebrews 11.11, it says that Sarah considered him faithful who promised. And of Abraham, also it says in... uh, Romans chapter five, uh, four, it says that it says that he considered that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Right, that God's promised something, and He will also do it. So those are better promises. Thirdly, I think the new covenant is better because it eliminates the weakness of the old covenant. Look at verse seven and eight now in our passage in Hebrews. Right? It says, For this, for if that first covenant, I'm in verse 7, had been faultless, there would have been no occasion sought for a second. So he clearly says in the New Testament that the old covenant was faultless, but what was the fault? What was the problem? What was, why could not that uh, covenant get us? into the promised land, to use the terminology of the covenant, right? Well, look at verse 8. For finding fault with them. They were the problem. We. In other words, if you're under a conditional problem, a promise, um, then my performance is what secures me the promise. Again, like Exodus said, if you indeed obey my voice... And so many of us, and, and I also, we, we, even though we're New Covenant Christians, we live with an Old Covenant mindset, thinking all this time, maybe I'm not doing something. Maybe I have failed to do something. Maybe there's some hidden. And we're always imagining or thinking <clears throat> that there's something more I need to do to secure the uh, fullness of God in my life. But that's just not the case. We have a better covenant because God has taken care of this this problem, this weakness, and and that weakness is us. He's going to eliminate us. <laughs> That's the way to take care of that. And finally, it's a better covenant because it's not like the old covenant. So I want to begin now in verse 8. For finding fault with them, that was the weakness of the old covenant, he says... Behold, days are coming, says the Lord, when I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Verse 9 now, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day when I took them out of the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and I did not care for them. So God says, the, first, the very first thing God says, and, and by the way, Hebrews is quoting Jeremiah 31, 31 following, is that God's going to make a covenant that is unlike that old one. Unlike it. It's not conditional, right? It's going to be a covenant <clears throat> wherein the guarantee of the promises is Jesus Christ himself, not me. You see, 
this is what secures me. This is what brings me joy. This is what establishes me in the faith, is that he is doing something. He is doing something. Now, I've had folks say, well, listen, he says here it's just making a, new, a covenant with the house of Israel and Judah. Well, very clearly, we've been grafted into that. Gentiles, um, Romans 9, 10, 11, we have the privilege of participating in that covenant. But now I want to get to the meat, okay? We've had a little appetizer. I'm going to share with you uh, the four unconditional better promises of the new covenant. I want to say that again. Here are the four unconditional better promises of the new covenant. What do you mean by unconditional? I mean that there is nothing I have to do to receive the promise except accept it. Just simply accept it by faith. Let me illustrate. Suppose I were going on a um, going to speak somewhere and I said to my daughter when, when they were younger, I said, when I come back, I'm going to bring you a gift. And I left. That would be an unconditional covenant. But suppose I said, if you make your bed, if you do all your homework, and if you don't give any trouble to your mother, then I'll bring you something. That's a conditional covenant. That's a conditional promise. She has to do something. But listen to these great and wonderful promises of the new covenant, and more than listen to them, receive them, rest in them, trust that the one who made the promise is also able to fulfill that promise. So here's the first one, and it's in chapter um, um, 10, and in the first part of it, it says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. Here's the covenant. Now, if you have your Bibles there, what are the first two words of this covenant? Yeah, you see it. Is it if you? No, it's I will. And if you'll take your pencil or your marker and you just go through this whole section, ten to the, and you underline all those I wills, and then when you get to end, I want you to figure out what you're told to do. Well, never mind, because you're not told to do anything. This is something God says, I will do. And the first thing is this. I will put my laws into their minds, and I will write them upon their hearts. Let me repeat it. Here's the first unconditional better promise of the new covenant. I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them upon their hearts. Well, what in the world does that mean? It simply means this. He's taking care of the problem of the Old Covenant. In the Old Covenant, we could not obey, right? What does he mean, put the law on your mind, write it on your heart? Well, there have many prophecies that clearly explain that in Jeremiah 24. Ezekiel 36 is a very, very excellent one. 36 verses 26 and 27 where God says, I will put my spirit in you and I will cause you to walk in my ways. Isn't that beautiful? That the delight of our heart now and what we ponder with our minds is the will of God, the will of God. And God does that by his spirit. For example, 2 Corinthians says that 
that in the new covenant, God has not written the law on tablets of stone, but he has written it by his spirit on the tablets of human hearts. He has written his law in our heart. And you know that the the heart indicates the things in which we delight, right? The things in which we delight. So the first thing is that Christians, uh, even amidst all of our struggles, we really love, we really love the will of God, the word of God, right? And God says, I will do that. I will do that. That's the first. And I call that, here, here's how I, I like to paraphrase these. For myself, it helps me answer the question, what does he mean? And here's what I mean. I think this is a new willingness and ability to obey, right? I will write the law on their hearts and on their minds. For me, what he's saying is I will give you, Bill, and I remember the day it happened when I was born again, I will give you a new willingness and ability to obey me. But what, 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 when I, what happens when I stumble, Bill? The good shepherd leads you back into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He's also the good shepherd. He's covered that. So the first better promise is a new willingness and ability to obey. It's not if you obey, it's you will delight to, to obey. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Thy law is within my heart, the psalmist says. So let's go on to the second unconditional better promise of the new covenant. He says it in the second part of verse 10, and he says, And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Period. He doesn't say if you do this. He says you... I'll give you my law in your heart, and you shall be my people. Being a child of God is a free gift. It is one of the unconditional promises of the new covenant. This this idea here is the one by which I believe that my relationship with Jesus Christ is eternally secure for the simple purpose that he promised, for the simple reason that he promised, Right? He says, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So here's what the promise means to me. This is a new, secure relationship with God. A new and secure relationship with God. It's not if you obey, you'll be my child. It's you shall be my child, period. Uh, As many of you know, uh, Ellen and I have adopted four children, But imagine adopting these children under a conditional covenant. And we said, uh, you know, in the adoption decree, we said, if these children, um, you know, obey us, if they're well-behaved, if they make their beds, if they clean their rooms, if they do their home, if they do that, then we will continue their adoption beyond age four. Let's pick a number, right? You would think I'd be the most horrible man on earth, probably, wouldn't you? And that's the weakness of a conditional covenant. I adopted those children unconditionally. No matter what level of obedience or disobedience they may have demonstrated toward me or toward their mother, they're still my children. They're unconditionally my children. I adopted them unconditionally 
conditionally. So unlike the relationship in Exodus 19.5, which was based on performance, this is based on the pure adoptive love of God, right? Uh, Behold, (laughs) behold what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and such we are. See, John could say that with great confidence based on what he knew of the new covenant in Jesus Christ. We have a secure position. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So we have not only a new willingness and ability to obey, but we also, secondly, have a new and secure relationship with God. You can't lose your salvation because you cannot nullify the unconditional promise of the new covenant. You cannot lose your salvation because you cannot nullify the unconditional promise of the new covenant. It's beautiful and it's full of grace. Well, let's move on to the third better promise. Better promises based in a, within a better covenant based on, based on a better mediator, our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the, th- uh, the third unconditional promise, and I find it in verse 11. Uh, and it says this, And they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen and everyone his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest of them. Well, Bill, if it says here, don't teach everyone as what are you doing on this podcast? <laughs> no, I'm not telling you to know the Lord. I'm saying if you're a Christian, you do know the Lord. Do you see what he's saying there? We do not teach one another, Christians. We do not teach them saying, oh, you've got to know the Lord because you know him, because God has made himself known to you through Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, of course, we grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we know him. Jesus, in, his, in, in that great prayer in John 17, he says, uh, he's praying to his Father, our Father, and he says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus, whom you have sent. Not all the people in the Old Covenant knew him. Uh, you can cross-reference 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 5. They all went through the wilderness, right? They all passed through the Red Sea. They all drank water from the spring. God says, but God slayed many of them in the wilderness. He was not well pleased with them. But here, God is taking the initiative to make himself known. The new covenant is God seeking man, not man seeking God. God makes himself known, right, to those people who are seeking him, even those who are not seeking him, because Christ was revealed. God was made manifest in Christ. Knowing God is the work of Christ. It's the work he came to accomplish. Uh, Look at it in John 17, 1 through 6. Father, I have finished the work that you have given me to do by making thy name known to those whom you have given me. The New Testament um, 
is very clear that when the Christian is born again, when his eyes has been enlightened by the Holy Spirit, or when he is drawn by the Holy Spirit, that God makes himself known to them. We know Christ because of the work of Christ. Nobody can say, oh, I'm seeking God and he's blocking me out. No, no, whosoever will may come. Come, Jesus said. If anyone's thirsty, let him come. And they will know that Jesus Christ is indeed who he claimed to be. So that's a great promise. You know the Lord. You know the Lord. And we don't need, no one needs to teach the Christian the nature of, of the Godhead, for we know him. But the final unconditional promise, and the one I think that uh, is the foundation of all the rest, is found in verse 12, where he says, For I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Isn't that beautiful? Those are beautiful words to sinners. Uh, I remember uh, my 24 years of sin. Okay, let's subtract one when I was a baby, okay? My 23 years of sin, and God called me out of darkness. And those beautiful words, I God doesn't say you have to do this to be forgiven. He doesn't say if you do that, you might be forgiven. He says this, I will, I will, God says, I will be merciful to their iniquities. And Kelly and I were discussing the way Major Thomas used to read this verse. And I, I, without the accent, I, I want to share with you how he did that. It was so beautiful. And I will remember their sins. And I will remember their sins. No more. <laughs> no more. I will remember... You know, who is the one who heaps guilt upon you? It's not God. The Holy Spirit will convict you that you're behaving improperly, convict you of sin, certainly. But who is it who condemns the children of God? It's not the Holy Spirit, right? God says, I will remember their sins no more. So this is the better covenant. This is the covenant under which we are functioning and I want to just real briefly, uh, it's a lot of stuff, but I want to real briefly um, review what we're saying here this morning, is basically that Jesus has been given the ministry of fulfilling the better promises of the new covenant. Jesus does that. Not Aaron, not Moses, not angels, not Joshua, no one. All those folks had their role in the completion of the Old Covenant. But Jesus, solely Jesus, has been given the responsibility of <clears throat> guaranteeing the promises of the New Covenant. And those four unconditional promises are basically this, that we have a new willingness and ability to obey. A new willingness and ability to obey. Secondly, we have a new and secure relationship with God. They shall all be my people. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. That's covenant adoption. That's covenant adoption. And he who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. 
If you're confused about the passages that seem to be um, saying you can lose your salvation, please uh, write me, write Kelly. Um, we'll be happy to go through those to you and, and show that uh, he is indeed not speaking uh, to the Christian in those passages. Not only that, but it would violate the very <clears throat> the very heart of the new covenant. So we have a new and secure relationship. We have a secure love. What shall separate us from the love of God? Shall things created, shall things above, shall... Nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Thirdly, we have a new understanding of God within the covenant family. All those who are Christians know the Lord. We know the Lord. We don't need to be looking and trying to figure out what he is like. We know the Lord, right? Knowing God is the work of Christ, and he will accomplish it. And finally, the last um, better unconditional promise of the new covenant is a new provision for our sins and iniquities. <laughs> a totally new provision for our sins and iniquities. And the reason that he can be merciful to our iniquities and remember our sins no more is because Jesus Christ made full payment on the cross. He has forgiven us every sin, past, present, and future. <clears throat> and therefore, he is merciful, and he will remember them no more. There's a passage, I forget the reference, I believe it's in chapter 10 of Hebrews. It says where Jesus is the guarantee of the covenant. Who's the guarantee that you're going to have a willingness to obey Jesus Christ. Who is the guarantee that I will have a secure relationship with God? Jesus Christ. Who is the guarantee that I can really know that I know God and understand Him? Jesus Christ. Who is the guarantee that my sins are going to be covered and remembered no more? Our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the guarantee of this new covenant. Let me pray. Father, this uh, thrills my soul. I, it is the backbone of everything, Father. It, it's the work of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's the covenant under which you have called us to function, to operate, under which to believe. Father, it's, it's wonderful. It's so filled with beautiful, beautiful promises that we rejoice. Father, I pray that my heart would not linger in doubt, worry, guilt, fear, but that I would rejoice in your work, not only your finished work, but your continuing work of guaranteeing all these promises. And I thank you through Jesus. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the His Hill Podcast. You've been listening to our host, Kelly Doherty, along with our previous director, Bill Bushhouse. We hope you enjoyed hearing from Bill today and that the truth he shared was uplifting to you. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ. I'm Lizzie, and we'll see you next week.